today's scripture is Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is so wonderful to be with you all again to see all of our children as they head down uh, for their portion of today's activities and as uh, they continue to prepare for uh, Christmas sharing. Uh, it's an absolute joy and I'll hopefully have a few moments to say a little bit more about that uh, later and Pastor Brian uh, will be mentioning ways that you can connect uh, with that significant part of the Gary Church ministry uh, that has been going on for over 50 years. Uh, as you looked east, uh, this morning in Adams Park, you probably saw that the preparations have already started. Uh, the trees are decorated, and we heard that some of you have already started to bake and uh, to decorate your homes. I think the uh, capitalists have the, the best uh, approach. They start Christmas pretty much right after uh, Halloween, you know. Uh, they, they are very early on uh, getting all of that out, and uh, they're, they're prepared in their own way. But uh, today marks the first Sunday of the Advent season. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the practice or traditions of Advent, it is something that we do specifically as Christians to prepare, because we prepare differently than the world does. Uh, for them, it may be just about the gifts and seeing families, but for us, it is about so much more. And we try to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our lives to celebrate this day, uh, to celebrate uh, the birth of the Christ. Uh, the other day, I saw something that I hadn't seen before. Many of you probably have already uh, seen this and participated in it. I almost brought it with me, uh, but somebody sent my dog an advent calendar. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm new to this. There are Advent calendars for dogs and for cats even. So uh, I suppose all of creation is uh, preparing for the Advent season and for the arrival of the birth of Christ. But Advent means literally arrival or to come or to come to, especially the arrival of a notable person or a notable event such as the birth of Christ. 
But in the Western church, Advent is a time that we set aside to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our very lives to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. But even so, we celebrate and anticipate the day when Christ shall come in final victory, when all shall be fulfilled. So for us, it is a time of preparation. In the earliest uh, times and observances of Advent, and even in the Eastern Orthodox Church down to this day, uh, the time was an intense period of 40 days of fasting and prayer as uh, new believers would prepare themselves for their baptism on Epiphany. Uh, they would actually go 40 days preparing themselves uh, to be baptized into the Christian faith. And so they took it very seriously. They would repent, they would pray, and they would fast. So anytime you see one of these 40-day self-help things uh, out there in one of your bookstores or online, just remember we Christians and people of faith had this 40-day thing figured out way, way before uh, any of them. Uh, Moses fasted for 40 days, Elijah fasted for 40 days, and Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days before he began his public ministry. It is a time of preparation, but it is a different time for us as those who are believers, as those who are followers and seekers after the Christ. With that said, let us pray. Merciful God, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and to prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God. And now may the words of my mouth and all the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For your God, our rock and our redeemer, and our help comes from you. Amen. Today here at uh, Gary Church, of course, we begin the season of Advent. In our adult education uh, classes, we'll have the opportunity to engage in a book uh, called All the Good, A Wesleyan Way uh, of Christmas. And that will be led by Pastor Carrie, and I will join in. Uh, she will be the facilitator of the class, and there will be time for discussion. And you'll learn all about Wesley and uh, his understanding of personal. Uh, personal piety, works of piety, and works of mercy. And we'll say a little bit about that at the conclusion of our sermon uh, this morning. But in that class and in our worship services throughout Advent, we'll be picking up on some of these historic themes of Advent, preparing our hearts, our minds, and our very lives for celebrating the birth of Christ and expressing uh, this deep longing that we have for all to be fulfilled, for that to be fulfilled which began on that first Christmas at the first nativity. And so our message this morning is entitled, Prepare to receive. Now, I have to say, when I first um, uh, sent over or forwarded the information to the church office uh, a couple of weeks ago for today's worship service, I added an additional note that I don't usually add. And it read, 
we may want a strong reader for this Sunday. <laughs> Someone who can work ahead of time and be prepared uh, to pronounce the names of all of these people and all of these places. And so I want to thank uh, Janet Mathis for her excellent reading of our text from the third chapter of John's Gospel uh, this morning. It begins uh, with Luke providing for us a historical context and he is dealing with a particular period of time. He is letting us know that this is happening in a particular moment of history. This is not once upon a time. This is set in a particular period of history, and he addresses it by naming particular people that we can read about in the works of Josephus and in other annals throughout uh, history, and they are people living in particular places. And so we read about the emperor Tiberius, and he points us to a particular people who hold power in a particular place when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of, of Iteria, and Traconius, uh, Traconitus and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Luke is setting the stage of history and letting us know that Jesus is a real person in real history. And while the names may be unfamiliar to some of us, it would have been very familiar to those in the time of Jesus and those uh, who were there when Luke wrote his gospel. And they would not only know the names and the places and this period of time, but they would also know something about the people of whom he writes. But you can also see that Luke is doing something interesting. It's like he's playing that old Sesame Street game. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Can you guess which one of these does not belong here? All of these people with all of that power in all of those places. But Luke tells us that the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Not to the emperor, not to the governor or the tetrarchs, not to the high priest Annas or Caiaphas. Uh, it came to John in the wilderness. God has a way of choosing people in different places than we would ordinarily look. John was not like the others. To put it mildly, John was unusual. Some might even say that John was strange. In Matthew's gospel, we're told that John's clothing was made from camel hair, homespun, and that he wore a leather belt around his waist. And his diet was locally sourced, locusts and wild honey. And this is what this man ate. And I guarantee you that if someone saw a man standing on the corner of Main Street and Seminary in Wheaton, Illinois, we would say this is one strange dude. And we would probably call 911. We wouldn't be gathering round and about to hear what this man has to say. We would say, you know, I, I think something's going on here and maybe you all need to get over here. And that's true in any Main Street USA, on any Main Street across this country, with the possible exception of California. 
in California, John might just blend right in. And so the word of God comes to John, but John fits the description not of a criminal. He fits the description of a prophet. He fits the description of a prophet. God had chosen John even before his birth and said that John would be the one to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, the coming one of Israel. The way of the king would be prepared by this John. His father, Zechariah, who was also a priest, was told by an angel that his son, John, would be great in the sight of of the Lord. And we read about that in Luke chapter 1, and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and would turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he would go before the Messiah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, a people prepared for the Lord. Now, when it says that John will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, it is saying that John will teach people what it means to repent of their sins. He will teach them about the forgiveness that God uh, seeks to give through God's mercy and God's grace. And because of the receipt of that message, people would turn their hearts and their minds to God and they would change their very lives. So as we prepare for the coming of Christ, as we prepare for Christmas, we want to prepare to receive Christ in the same way. We must be ready to be open to God's word coming to us and through people that we might not expect. All too often, we're looking to the wrong people for the solutions of our problems. We're looking in the wrong places and we risk missing the very blessings that God has to offer us. Sometimes it is in the quiet, unassuming person who is sitting next to you in your pew this morning. It is through that person perhaps that God is choosing to bless you or to bless your life. God can use people that we would never expect. Once I traveled to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and seeking uh, to bring about some kind of change and working with the power brokers uh, of the day, and so where would you go but to Capitol Hill, uh, to Washington, D.C.? And I recall that my schedule for that day was really busy and I was going to have these high-level meetings with elected officials. And for the sake of me, I can't remember what it was that I was pushing for, what it was that I was advocating for. It might have been for HIV AIDS funding or it might have been for no uh, ending malaria and to increase funding around the globe for Malaria, I really can't remember, but what I do remember is walking toward the Capitol and seeing a man sitting on a sidewalk just in front of me. And I was kind of hoping to avoid this guy. You know, D.C. at that time was, uh, the Capitol was kind of a grungy place and, and there were all kinds of people who would be sleeping on grates and they would have plastic bags with all of their belongings. And, and I was there and, and I'm thinking this is probably one of those people and I was kind of hoping to avoid him. 
And that's a bit embarrassing for me to acknowledge as a pastor, but I believe that all of us have had those moments when we're saying, talk to them, not me, <laughs> you know. But as I'm walking, this man gets my attention somehow or the other. And he says, I, want, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I don't want to ask anything. I'm not asking anything from you. And then he asked me what I was doing there in Washington. As I've told you, I can't even remember exactly what I was there for. I've been there many, many times. But, you know, I told him what I was there for. And then he said, can I pray for you? And then he began to pray for me personally. And then he began to pray for all the meetings that I would have during that day. I don't remember what I was there for, but I remember him. And I remember that his prayers carried me through that day and that I was changed because of my encounter with him. And I was blessed because of those few moments where we had this human encounter and the divine entered in through a moment of prayer and conversation. So of course I felt foolish afterwards, but it was a reminder that sometimes we look to elected officials who may hold the seats of power in this world, but it is the prayers and the presence of others who are imbued with the presence and the power of God that really sustain us and carry us through the difficult times in our lives. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, a strange man, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. If we are going to be prepared to receive God in our lives, I believe we also have to be open to the amazing fact that God chooses whom God chooses and God uses whom God uses and God chooses and uses whom God chooses in spite of us and our expectations. The people that we might least expect might be the very person that God is using to be a blessing to us in this season and to help us draw closer to the Christ, to help us turn our hearts, our minds, and our lives toward God yet once again as we anticipate the coming of Christ and his nativity and as we long for the coming of Christ yet again. We're told that John went into all the region around the Jordan. He wasn't uh, bound by any particular tetrarch or area uh, that had been assigned to him by the rulers or the powers that be, but he went throughout the region proclaiming and preaching a message of baptism of the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John's voice was one crying in the wilderness and he preached a new message and offered a baptism and he said that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He is saying that God is opening a new way, building a new community, a beloved community, and it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female, that we can all come to Christ and experience and see the salvation of God. And he calls us to change our lives, to see that God is doing a new thing in our midst. 
Jesus would say of John that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, but now the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone, everyone is forcing their way into it. John opened the way for people who felt excluded, for tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And he said to those who believed that they were on the inside because of their ancestry and their ties to Abraham, that the ax is already at the root of that tree. Turn your hearts and your lives to God and bear fruit that is worthy of repentance. It may not sound like good news when John said to the people, uh, he called them a brood of vipers and asked, who warns you to flee of the wrath to come? But the reality was he was shaking them out of their lethargy. He was shaking them out of their constructs that they had in their mind that trusted in something else rather than putting their faith and their trust in God so that they could receive the grace and the mercy of God. To bear fruit worthy of repentance, he says, means that their lives should reflect the change that is happening in them. If their hearts and their minds are changed and they are being washed in the waters, if they are becoming new, then their lives should be different. In the class that uh, Carrie will be leading, we'll be, we will be talking about those Methodist works of piety. And my prayer is that during this season of Advent, that you will spend some time uh, with a spiritual practice, perhaps just simply praying every day, Or maybe you might feel that you're led to search the scriptures. And if you are, I would invite you to just begin, begin today reading one gospel. Don't try to read uh, every book in the Bible uh, or anything. Just start with the gospel. Maybe maybe the gospel of Luke, because we'll be preaching on that uh, all the way until next Christ the King Sunday with the gospel of John interspersed. Partake of the sacrament of Holy Communion that we will offer next week as a means of grace. It is the way that we come together, and you may even want to fast. People have gotten into intermittent fasting, and there's even an Essene diet. I don't know if you heard of that one, Pastor Brian. That's uh, tied after the people who followed John the Baptist. So I don't know if it's locusts and wild honey or if there's more to it than that, but I'm not going to try it. Or maybe it is just simply being in Christian community and saying that we will live healthy lives, that we will encourage each other, that we will bear one another up in love. But but John also told them when they asked what type of fruit their lives ought to bear, he told them that they ought to have lives of sharing. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer tells the community of believers, let mutual love continue. Do not uh, forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Angels unaware. He says, remember those who are in prison as though you yourselves were in prison. Remember those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. And Jesus even dared say, when you encounter the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the imprisoned, the sick, and you care for them, you are caring for me. 
you are encountering me as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family. You did it also unto me. During this season, we have a wonderful opportunity to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit the imprisoned, and to ransom the captives. All of these things that we participate in all year. Maybe you've wanted to give earlier in the year, but you didn't. Now is our opportunity to share for those of us who have, to share with those who have not. And what a wonderful opportunity we have through Christmas sharing and through outreach and through Essie and so many other ways that we can give. Let us continue then to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our very lives to receive the Christ, knowing that the kingdom breaks in in ways that we could never imagine or anticipate. May we be surprised by the presence of Christ in this holy season. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gary Church Podcast. If you would do us a favor by rating and reviewing us on the application you are using, it would be a huge help. Also, share our podcast with a friend. Thank you so much. And now receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the power of God the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.